This hearing of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee will come to order. I'd like to welcome our witnesses. I appreciate your testimony. We look forward to your, your oral testimony uh, and your answers to our questions. Um, want to welcome everybody here. We do have the ambassador from Montenegro here. We'd like to welcome him and his delegation. Appreciate their, their, their good efforts toward this uh, uh, important moment and this important uh, effort of theirs. Uh, the committee comes together today to analyze a significant milestone for one of our nation's most important defensive alliances, the accession of Montenegro to the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. NATO has expanded only six times since its founding, most recently in 2009 when Albania and Croatia joined the alliance. Montenegro was formally invited to join NATO in May 2016 after a years-long process of fighting corruption and strengthening its defense capabilities to meet NATO standards. While NATO was created to foster stability in Europe and counter Soviet expansionism during the Cold War, NATO remains especially relevant today in light of the serious threats posed by radical Islamic terrorism and Russian aggression. Russia views NATO expansion as a threat to its interest and has warned Montenegro that Moscow re will retaliate if Montenegro continues to pursue NATO membership. Russia appears determined to do everything it can to prevent other countries that have expressed interest in joining NATO, including Georgia, Bosnia, and Macedonia, from moving forward with their membership ambitions. Russians' concerns, however, are not legitimate. NATO remains a purely defensive alliance and has been a tremendous force for stability in Europe. As the Senate prepares to consider a resolution on Montenegro's accession to NATO, I hope that the witnesses today can help this committee assess Montenegro's readiness to be a full contributing member of the alliance. I also hope that our witnesses can shed light on the challenges NATO faces today and its capacity to address those challenges moving forward. Uh, Senator Shaheen told us to move on with the hearing, and so when she comes, we'll give her an opportunity to, to offer an uh, opening statement. So why don't we move on to our witnesses. Our first witness is Mr. Hoyt Brian Yee. Uh, Mr. Yee is Deputy Assistant Secretary of State in the Bureau of European and Eurasian Affairs. Mr. Yee is a career member of the U.S. Senior Foreign Service and previously served at the U.S. Embassy in Montenegro. And again, I will point out your full written statement will be entered the record, so if you can keep your remarks to around five minutes, we'd appreciate it. Mr. Yee. Thank you, Chairman Johnson, members of the committee. Thank you for the opportunity to discuss the critical role NATO plays in our security and Montenegro's place in the alliance. In the wake of a successful summit in Warsaw, and exactly eight years after the committee's last hearing on NATO enlargement, I am honored to be here with you today. NATO has been and remains the principal security instrument of the transatlantic community. It is both a defensive alliance and an alliance of values. NATO's primary purpose was and remains to defend its members from attack. Additionally, NATO brought together Western nations under a political and security umbrella where old rivalries could be reconciled and general peace could prevail. NATO is active on the eastern and southern flanks of the European continent and in other regions. NATO's impact, however, transcends boundaries. When the United States was attacked on September 11, 2001, NATO invoked Article 5 for the first time in its history. It was then that our European and Canadian allies supported us right when we needed them most. NATO is also operating in support of cybersecurity, counterterrorism, and counterhuman trafficking operations. Thus, NATO has developed new capabilities for the future and for working with partners all over the globe. Against the backdrop of Russia's aggression in Ukraine and its occupation and attempted annexation of Crimea, NATO is moving forward with the most significant reinforcement of collective defense at any time since the Cold War. All of the actions we have taken to strengthen and sustain our deterrence and defense require appropriate investment and capabilities, the development of highly capable and deplorable, deployable forces, and burden sharing among allies. 
Already, the 27 other allies outside of the United States are providing for 78% of the NATO budget. Allies are making significant contributions to improve NATO's readiness, responsiveness, and interoperability, and reverse the slide in defense budgets. Looking forward, all 28 allies have committed to move toward spending at least 2% of GDP on defense, with 70% already on track to meet that goal by 2024. After the fall of the Iron Curtain, the countries that had liberated themselves from communism were on unsteady ground. Membership in NATO and the European Union became a way to cement themselves in the institutions and values of the transatlantic world. Enlargement holds the potential to benefit many other parts of our community. NATO enlargement can bring, back, bring the Balkans much closer to its deserved future as a site of peace and prosperity at the heart of Europe. Since Montenegro borders on five other Balkan nations, its NATO membership will support greater integration, democratic reform, trade, security, and stability with all of its neighbors, bringing the entire Balkans a step closer to the U.S. goal of realizing a Europe whole, free, and at peace. Montenegro accession will also have a positive impact on the alliance's effectiveness, given its commitment to defense reform, its contributions to existing operations, and its willingness to continue to contribute available capabilities to future operations. Furthermore, with Montenegro's accession, the alliance will have a nearly contiguous border along the Adriatic coast. As a NATO aspirant, Montenegro has made clear its Euro-Atlantic trajectory is unshakable. In 2008, it formally applied to join the European Union and adopted a legal framework that encourages privatization, employment, and exports. Montenegro has also taken steps to address public corruption and organized crime, such as establishing a new independent special state prosecutor. On defense, Montenegro has been a reliable partner and force provider to NATO, the EU, and UN missions. It contributes to NATO's operations in Afghanistan. Its forces have participated in missions in Mali, Liberia, and Cyprus. Montenegro will further deploy troops to increase its level of participation in the EU Operation Atalanta counter-piracy mission off the coast of Somalia. In recognition of its progress and potential, Allied foreign ministers in December unanimously agreed to invite Montenegro to join the alliance. In May of this year, Allied foreign ministers signed the accession protocol for Montenegro. In turn, Montenegro has gone above and beyond to show its willingness to be a productive member of the alliance. It has been a partner on successive rounds of sanctions following Russia's aggression in Ukraine. In the face of Russian pressure, it has worked tirelessly to increase public support for NATO through debates, town hall meetings, and engagement with NGOs and a free media. In June, Montenegro's hard work came to fruition when its parliament passed a resolution with a nearly two-thirds majority expressing full support for membership in the alliance. The promise of NATO membership and broader Euro-Atlantic integration has advanced our democratic values and respect for the rule of law. Montenegro's accession will help keep up this positive momentum. I wish to express my thanks to the committee. Your bipartisan support for a Europe whole, free, and at peace has served as a beacon of hope for many countries. Distinguished members of this committee, our work to bring prosperity and increase security to our partners is not yet over. We urge the Senate to continue its cross-government historic cooperation on NATO enlargement and provide its advice and consent on NATO U.S. ratification of the accession protocol for Montenegro. Thank you, Secretary Yee. Our second witness is Dr. Michael Carpenter. Dr. Carpenter is Deputy Assistant De Secretary of Defense. In his current role, Dr. Carpenter is responsible for covering Russia, Ukraine, Eurasia, and the Western Balkans. Dr. Carpenter. Chairman Johnson, Senator Shaheen, and members of the committee, uh, I welcome this opportunity to explain why the administration strongly and unequivocally supports Montenegro's membership in NATO. We firmly believe that Montenegro's membership in the alliance will advance the democratic principles upon which NATO was founded, 
and that Montenegro will contribute both to the collective defense of NATO and the broader security of the Euro-Atlantic region as a whole. During its 10 years of independence, Montenegro has emerged as a stable, multi-ethnic democracy committed to making tough but necessary reforms to its defense and intelligence sectors, as well as its rule of law institutions. Montenegro has right-sized its armed forces and developed sustainable military capabilities for national needs and international missions. Montenegro's defense reforms have transformed its military into a more agile, capable, deployable, and NATO interoperable force. In addition to its land forces, Montenegro has a capable rotary wing squadron, along with a well-trained and proficient coastal patrol and surveillance force with specialized boarding, diving, and underwater demining teams. Montenegro spends about 1.7% of GDP on defense, which ranks in the top quarter of the alliance, and it has a credible plan to reach the Wales Summit Pledge of 2% of GDP spent on defense by 2024. While Montenegro may be a small country, it has not hesitated to deploy its military capabilities in support of U.S. and NATO security priorities. Montenegro has been with us in Afghanistan since shortly after its independence in 2006. Over the course of 10 deployments, it has seen 20% of its armed forces rotate through the International Security Assistance Force and the Resolute Support Mission. Montenegro has made multiple military personnel contributions to UN missions in Mali and Liberia, and has offered to contribute to troops to the NATO K4 mission in Kosovo. It is also a member of the coalition to defeat ISIL and has made significant contributions to that effort last year and again this year. But the strategic significance of Montenegro's NATO membership to the United States cannot be measured solely by the additional military capabilities or troops that Montenegro has sent to participate in alliance missions. Rather, the benefits of accession must be seen more broadly in terms of the security and stability that Montenegro's membership will project to the Western Balkans. Montenegro has established constructive and friendly relations with all five of its neighbors, thereby demonstrating a clear commitment to promoting peaceful and friendly international relations as set forth in Article II of the Washington Treaty. Montenegro enjoys constructive relations with both Serbia and Kosovo, and has actively pursued diplomatic and military cooperation with Albania, Croatia, Macedonia, and Bosnia and Herzegovina. And it is for these reasons that some of the most enthusiastic and dedicated supporters of Montenegro's NATO membership are its neighbors in southeastern Europe. Finally, it is no secret that Russia has publicly opposed Montenegro's bid for NATO membership and taken active measures to foment opposition to its secession. Through its backing of non-governmental organizations and politicians who oppose NATO membership, Russia has proven yet again that it is willing to interfere with a sovereign country's right to choose its own alliances, despite the fact that Montenegro lies some 800 miles from the nearest Russian border and poses no geopolitical threat to Russia. In spite of this mounting pressure, Montenegro has stood by its principles, rejecting a Russian bid in 2013 to use a Montenegrin port for its naval vessels and aligning itself with EU, with EU sanctions against Russia following Russia's aggression against Ukraine. Montenegro's NATO membership will be a powerful rebuke to Russia's malign influence in the Western Balkans and demonstrate that no third country has a veto over NATO's decisions to admit new members. It will also confirm that countries whose values are aligned with ours and that pursue a responsible foreign and security policy are free to choose their own destiny without regard to outside coercion and intimidation. Senator Johnson, Senator Shaheen, and members of the committee, 
Montenegro is ready for NATO membership. Its accession to NATO will demonstrate to other countries in the Euro-Atlantic space that NATO's door remains open to those nations that share our values, implement difficult reforms, and meet the requirements for membership. Its accession will advance the Euro-Atlantic integration of the Western Balkans and promote regional reconciliation, stability, and peace in this historically volatile region. Its accession will result in a net positive contribution to the overall security of Europe. The administration stands ready to work with this committee in the Senate to advance the long-standing bipartisan goal of realizing a Europe whole free and at peace by supporting Montenegro's soon as possible accession to NATO. Thank you and I look forward to your questions. Thank you, Dr. Carpenter. Now I'd like to welcome uh, Senator Shaheen for her opening comments. Thank you, Chairman Johnson. And I have a full statement that I will submit for the record, but I did want to uh, reaffirm several points. First of all, as we've heard from both of our witnesses, Montenegro's accession to NATO has only come after meaningful reforms in its security sector. Um, and I know those are reforms that we have supported. Um, its accession will also serve to further anchor the Balkan region in the security framework of NATO. And in fact, the last time this committee held hearings to consider the accession of a new NATO member, Croatia was on the agenda. Bosnia and Herzegovina, which began its talks with NATO in 2008, aspired to join the alliance, as does Macedonia. So it's my hope that um, this will serve as another example of um, meaningful reform that lead to positive um, membership in NATO. I, I think more broadly, Montenegro's achievement reaffirms NATO's open door policy for aspirant nations who share the values of all NATO members. NATO must stand firm on the principle that the decision to seek membership in the alliance cannot be blocked by a third party, and this is particularly important when we see Russia's attempt to undermine democratically elected governments that have sought to integrate with Euro-Atlantic institutions. For all these reasons, I'm pleased that NATO has offered Montenegro a place in the alliance, and my hope is that consideration of Montenegro's accession protocols can move expeditiously through the Senate. So, as I said, Mr. Chairman, I have a full statement that I will submit for the record. Thank you, Senator Shaheen. And, and we do, we are going to have votes called at 245, so we're going to have to figure out how we work that among members to, I'd like to keep the hearing going. Um, I'll start with questions. Um, I want to go right to the, the uh, instability, the meddling of Russia in, in this process. Uh, Secretary Yi. We've heard this repeatedly in, in hearings with our subcommittee of, uh, you know, Russia just destabilizing the, the different, its, its neighbors uh, that are trying to, let's face it, to throw off the yokes of the legacy of corruption and, and you know, trying to establish themselves a democracy and greater freedom and, and greater uh, economic prosperity. Uh, can you just offer some rationale in terms of why Russia continues to do this? As, as you point out, uh, Montenegro is 800 miles from from Russia, it poses no threat whatsoever. Uh, thank you, Chairman Johnson, for the question. It is our understanding that Russia would like to preserve as much influence as it can uh, throughout Europe, um, including in the Balkans, where it has uh, historic ties and has uh, a number of commercial um, and political ties with uh, governments in, in the Balkans. So its, its aim is to preserve and to extend as much as possible this, this influence. Uh, and part of that uh, uh, extension and preservation involves preventing countries 
like Montenegro from aligning themselves even more closely with the, uh, in, uh, the European Atlantic institutions such as NATO and the European Union. So we've seen attempts, uh, and some mentioned by my colleague Dr. Carpenter, uh, of Russia to interfere, to dissuade, um, to um, prevent, prevent, uh, present obstacles to these countries joining those organizations. Uh, but we've seen, fortunately, that countries like Montenegro, Croatia, um, other countries aspiring to NATO membership have been uh, successful, uh, along with our help and strong support from the United States and other allies in pushing back, uh, both in terms of uh, the uh, economies of these countries being more closely aligned with Europe and the United States, uh, with their security systems becoming more closely aligned uh, with energy, uh, energy security becoming more of an instrument for uh, cooperation among the countries in the Balkans and more widely through Europe. Uh, we've been successful in preventing some of that uh, malign influence. Uh, do we expect Russia to continue? Most likely, yes. Uh, but what's important is that we use all available tools to push back, to help those countries that you mentioned, Chairman Johnson, that are, that are trying to throw off uh, the past uh, repressive uh, influences in order to move forward towards uh, Euro-Atlantic integration. Can you cite specific examples of how Russia meddles, you know, how they interfere? Or, or Dr. Carpenter, e either. I'll give a, one example, perhaps in the, in the uh, Chairman Johnson, in the example of Montenegro, and I'm, I'm confident Dr. Carpenter will have other examples as well. Uh, what we've seen in Montenegro is uh, the um, political leaders from Russia expressing very publicly uh, their views uh, that Montenegro should not join NATO uh, in somewhat menacing terms. Uh, for example, Deputy Prime Minister Rogozin recently, uh, earlier this year, made a statement that Montenegro would um, regret, would live to regret its decision regarding NATO. Uh, the Russian Duma uh, made a statement that uh, Montenegro should consider the serious consequences uh, it will incur if it, if it uh, proceeds but towards. Let me, what, what would those consequences be? What, what kind of sway, what, what type of influence would Russia have that would you know, actually make that threat credible? Well, I think it's, uh, it's difficult to know exactly what they would do, but I think what we've seen in, in other places is an attempt to influence individual politicians occasionally institutions um, through uh, direct political contact um, or bribery uh, or other uh, extra legal means of influencing politicians and, and institutions. Uh, we've not seen anything uh, more malign than uh, what uh, Dr. Carver mentioned earlier about uh, the Russians, for example, seeking uh, a port in Montenegro to base their naval forces. Uh, but these are all attempts at the same thing, which is to maintain the traditional uh, place of influence that Russia has had and to prevent Montenegro and other countries from move, moving closer towards NATO. Now, I know Montenegro's parliament has been very supportive of this. What about the general population? What, what about, is there, is there some risk down the road that uh, Russia's influence could uh, you know, undermine this in terms of popular vote? The popular vote, the popular support for NATO enlargement has steadily increased um, over the last year as Montenegro has come closer to being invited, more and more Montenegrin citizens have, uh, have supported Montenegro's path. Uh, the current figure is about 46.6% of popular support in favor, according to the latest poll, 38.8% um, opposed. Uh, so there is a strong um, part of the, the population that is at least skeptical about NATO enlargement, but the trend is positive as Montenegrins learn about the uh, benefits of the enlargement uh, process of being part of the Euroland community, more and more will support it. 
We do believe that Russia, uh, through its uh, messaging, including very public uh, direct messaging from its political leaders, but also through uh, media uh, that it can influence, uh, is spreading messages, misinformation about NATO, uh, which we need to be alert to and to help our Montenegrin friends push back against. Thank you, uh, Secretary Yee. Uh, Senator Shaheen. Um, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Just to follow up a little bit on Senator Johnson's line of questioning, if there are attempts by Russia to punish Montenegro for its joining NATO, are there ways in which NATO can um, respond, help Montenegro respond to Russian action? Either one of you. Uh, well, I'll start. Absolutely, uh, yes. Uh, um, and can you Shaheen. delineate some of those? The the first uh, the first um, line of defense is uh, NATO solidarity with its members. All members know, uh, and its partners know that it can count on on NATO to respond appropriately, um, whatever is necessary to uh, defend an, a NATO ally. Uh, NATO, uh, the United States in particular, has committed uh, to do. So in the first instance, I think, is, is reaffirming uh, all of our uh, determination to protect Montenegro's uh, territorial integrity, uh, its sovereignty, um, all of the tools with which NATO has to help other um, partners and allies would be put at the disposal of Montenegro. For example, our experience in public, public diplomacy, um, our training and exercises with allied and partner militaries to demonstrate NATO's commitment and to enhance their resilience to uh, malign influences. Uh, all the tools that NATO has, which are considerable, can be put uh, for the uh, assistance of, of Montenegro and other partners who are facing the same challenges. Great, thank you. Um, just to be clear, they just called the vote. Senator Johnson has gone to vote, but for others who may want to do that, we will continue the hearing through, through the vote. Um, my understanding is that Russians have a significant amount of investment in Montenegro. Is there um, any effort to further diversify the Montenegrin economy? And is this something that we should be concerned about as we're looking at the future, the amount of investment that Russia has? Absolutely, uh, Senator Shaheen. This is uh, one of the main uh, purposes of helping Montenegro uh, strengthen its economy as a market economy, an open, transparent economy that's competitive uh, with other European countries so that it can attract uh, the type of businesses and investments uh, from Europe, from America, uh, from within the Balkans uh, that would uh, be at least competition to um, businesses from Russia, other places that are, used in, uh, that are used to operating in environments in which there's not strong rule of law, uh, where there is not transparency, uh, where certain business techniques are more acceptable uh, than, let's say, in Europe or the United States. So our assistance is uh, directly targeted at helping Montenegro uh, strengthen its competitiveness, uh, strengthen economic growth, uh, decrease unemployment, and to help Montenegro in particular fight corruption and organized crime, uh, which is uh, a traditional avenue through which uh, Russia and other actors can promote its business interests um, at the expense of others uh, in a less transparent way. Uh, so we are very much aware of uh, the challenge, and Montenegro is doing much better at fighting corruption, at strengthening its economy, 
just last year. It uh, moved up 15 places in the rankings on Transparency International's uh, Perceptions of Corruption Index, which shows the trend is positive, and we'll do everything possible to keep that trend going. That's great. I, I'm, I'm a big believer that stability in the Balkans is very important to the security of Europe, and see this as a very, as I've said in my remarks, a very positive um, move for Montenegro to join NATO. What lessons are there in this for other countries in the Balkans, for Macedonia, for Bosnia-Herzegovina, as they hopefully look towards better Euro-Atlantic integration and opportunities for them? I, I, I've worked um, with folks in Bosnia for several years now regarding their interest in joining NATO, and, and I know it continues. So are there things, lessons from this effort that they can look to and hopefully adopt and that we can support them as they think about what they can do um, to accede to NATO? Senator, I'd say that um, the most important lesson that the other aspirant countries can draw from the Montenegrin experience, and you alluded to it in your opening remarks, is that uh, if they are willing to make the tough decisions, uh, the sacrifices, uh, make the reforms necessary in order to become uh, able to join NATO and the European Union, that it is possible. In other words, the door is open if they're willing to make the sacrifices necessary. Uh, Montenegro has done this. Uh, it still has work to do, uh, but it is making progress towards the European Union, and uh, with Senate support, we hope it will join NATO. Thank you. My time is over, but I would ask unanimous consent to submit for the record uh, testimony from Senator Cardin, who was not able to be here. Um, thank you. And Senator Rubio. Thank you, Senator Shaheen. Thank you both for being here. I wanted to briefly state on the record that I'm a big believer that NATO has a purpose today that's perhaps as important as any in the last 20 years. I believe deeply the world is a safer and a better place, and Americans are more prosperous when our country is able to lead, and our alliances are a critical component in that leadership. I would remind everyone that our NATO allies have followed along beside us in Afghanistan. Uh, they've provided more than 1,100 soldiers uh, in that part of that coalition, uh, who 1,100 soldiers who paid the ultimate price. And it is in these critical times that the U.S. needs to continue to support our allies as we work to ensure our interests, our collective interests abroad, I've always argued that when our alliances, especially NATO, are under pressure from our foes, we need to continue to expand and allow countries who meet the standards set by the alliance to join. This has never been more important than it is now, given the uncertain security situation we face in Europe. That's why I'm so glad we're moving to ratify Montenegro's access to NATO, and that's why it's so important for I hope our allies around the world to know that uh, no matter the outcome of our election, you will have in me, and I believe in, in many of my colleagues here in the United States Senate, very strong support for this alliance uh, that, I, uh, that I think in, in time uh, will be proven if, if challenged. Um, with that, um, in the interest of time, because I know we're in the middle of votes, I just want to ask a very straightforward question that I hope both or one of you can, can answer for the record, and that is, is it the policy of the United States that Russia shall not have a veto over a potential country's membership in NATO? The short answer, sir, is yes. That's a good answer. <laughs> Senator, yes, it's been our longstanding policy that no third country, including Russia, has a veto over, over any alliance decisions. Thank you. Thank you, Senator Rubio. Senator Murphy. 
Uh, thank you very much, uh, Senator Shaheen. Welcome to both of you. Uh, I, I joined Senator Rubio in strong support for the NATO alliance, and I think as he points out rightly, there's only one time that Article 5 has been exercised, and it was not in defense of our allies in Europe. It was in our defense, and they all rallied to it. Um, and uh, my question is a follow-up on Senator Shaheen's. Um, I, I've been a long-standing supporter of Montenegro's um, uh, ascension to NATO since uh, I visited uh, Dukanovic and others there two years ago. Um, and so I'm glad to see that we're taking these final steps. Um, but I do worry about the message that's being sent to uh, Balkan nations when it comes to their ability to join transatlantic and European institutions given what's happening in the EU today. Uh, and so I think that this um, decision to move forward with enlargement is even more important in the context of an EU institution which appears at the very best frozen and at worst um, in, uh, in retraction. So I guess let me pose the question a little bit differently, is we're trying to help countries like Serbia, an incredibly important ally, a country that's legitimately caught between a historic alliance with Russia and a desire to join uh, European Atlantic institutions. Um, it, it isn't this step forward to show that the open door policy um, remains in NATO even more important given uh, some legitimate questions that uh, are being asked right now in the Balkans as to whether their path forward to EU uh, membership is maybe looking a little bit more perilous or a little bit more treacherous. Um, I know we can't solve that problem for the Europeans. That has to be their decision. Um, but ultimately, it's in our best interest if we're growing membership more broadly in transatlantic institutions. A and to my mind, NATO is more important now than ever. Um, just to get your thoughts on that, Mr. Yee. Thank you, Senator Murphy, for the question and for your, your longstanding support for the region. Uh, the, my answer is yes. Uh, NATO enlargement, the open door, NATO's uh, role, the U.S. role in uh, South uh, Central Europe is more important than ever. Um, in large part because of the tumult that is occurring in, in Europe. Of course, uh, as we all know, there is um, there's no substitute for European uh, Union enlargement and the European project. And we certainly do hope that it will continue, uh, even though it is uh, in this, uh, this, this current phase of, of great difficulty. Um, as Vice President Biden has said, uh, the European project and the enlargement process is possibly the most uh, successful force for prosperity and stability and security in, in history. And we, we very much need to see that continue. NATO has been part of that. And while it cannot substitute for European Union membership, it can provide a lot of the same incentives to Balkan countries in making the tough reforms that they might not otherwise make. It provides certainly security and stability for those that are able to meet the criteria for, for membership. And it shows, uh, it sends a strong signal to those actors outside of the region who may not have the best interests of the region uh, by our standards in, in mind, that uh, the United States and European allies remain committed to the Balkans, uh, that we're not going to leave it to its own devices, that we remain committed, that we believe that it's essential for uh, Europe and for the United States, indeed, our security, uh, that the Balkans are brought into the same security structures, the same institutions uh, that other NATO allies have benefited from so long. So, uh, 
our view is that we must continue to keep the door open uh, to those members that are willing to meet and able to meet the, the standards. Dr. Carpenter, um, a quick follow-up to you. Um, how do we make sure that after um, we are hopefully successful in bringing Montenegro into the alliance, that the pressure remains for their progress on reform to continue? And uh, we have members of the alliance today uh, who have not made the progress that we would have hoped in this same region, uh, frankly, since they joined. And so what are the ways in which we can continue to pressure uh, these reforms uh, even after they are successful in joining the NATO alliance? So, Senator, thanks for the question. I think on the military side, having allies at the table at 28, and if Montenegro uh, is admitted to the alliance at 29, will encourage peers to, to pressure others to live up to their obligation uh, to the alliance, whether it be the Wales Pledge of 2% of GDP spent on defense or the other part of the Wales Summit Pledge for 20% uh, of investments to be spent on capital modernization. Um, so that's one avenue to keep the pressure on. But outside of the narrow military lane, uh, there is also the, the mutually reinforcing process of Montenegro's EU uh, integration, which requires the opening of a lot of chapters of the EU acquis uh, which, again, deal with some of the issues that were brought on the table as part of the NATO integration process concerning rule of law uh, and so on and so forth. Those are also elements of the EU integration process. So I think for Montenegro, there will be a continuing stream of points along the road in the coming months and years whereby they will be um, on record as, as, as being studied uh, on the basis of their reform uh, track. And if they don't live up to that, there will be consequences. So it's both the EU process and it's also internally to NATO. It's sitting at the table with, 20, with 28 other peers um, and explaining how you're spending your, your defense dollars and how you're contributing to international missions to support NATO. I thank you both, and I look forward to working in a bipartisan way to support Montenegro's uh, inclusion in the NATO alliance. Thank you, Senator Sheen. Um, thank you, Senator Murphy. We are going to recess the hearing for a few minutes. Senator Johnson has not returned, and our time is up to go vote. So I assume someone will be back in a few minutes. Apologize for the votes. It is one of the things we do here. Uh, Dr. Carpenter, I would like to just have you describe a little bit in more greater detail what Montenegro has done in terms of bringing its military up to NATO standards uh, and really what's required of it. Senator, Montenegro has uh, thoroughly reformed root and branch uh, its military. So it has taken what was a hollowed out uh, brigade level structure and transformed it into a much more agile and capable uh, battalion level structure. Um, its military is small, about 2,000 members in total, uh, but they have some significant niche capabilities that they've, um, that they've put money into and they've developed over the years. One is mountain warfare, one is uh, coastal surveillance and patrolling, uh, another was underwater demining. So they've focused on some of these niche capabilities and continue to do so. They have a, a small uh, helicopter rotary wing squadron that they're developing and modernizing and they're seeking additional platforms for that. Um, but they have really taken a hard look at their military from top to bottom. They, are, uh, they have changed the way they do uh, human resources management uh, to align it with NATO standards. They have changed and continue are actually in the process of changing the way they do logistics, both to make it more transparent, but also again to adapt to NATO standards. Um, so they've really uh, done a, a tremendous job over the course of the last several years in bringing what was a, a post-Yugoslav 
largely hollowed out uh, uh, military with, with very little readiness uh, to defend territory and taken it to a level where now they are uh, both much more capable to do territorial defense but also to contribute in a meaningful way to international missions and to have their, uh, their troops integrate well, as they do in Afghanistan, where uh, they not only uh, participate honorably uh, in Mazar and Sharif in the north uh, uh, under fairly tough conditions, but where Montenegro is also, and this is interesting, where it has decided to deploy together with other members of the Adriatic Charter organization, so together with Croatia and some other countries, Macedonia, uh, as a symbol of sort of bringing the Western Balkans region together, uh, and they've uh, deployed, as I said, collectively to Afghanistan. So they've done a, a tremendous job, both on the military side and also in terms of the intelligence enterprise, uh, where they've again taken a root and branch approach, uh, both to institutions and personnel. Talk a little bit, little bit about their uh, paramilitary force. Does that also factor into one of the reasons you're so supportive of their accession? So they, they do, not, if I understood you correctly, Senator, they, they do not have a paramilitary force. They have a, a capable uh, military uh, police uh, company. They have capable support uh, companies. Uh, they're the major component of their military, about uh, 1,500 of the 2,000 are, are land forces. Uh, primarily structured around an infantry battalion, uh, and then they have approximately 200 forces in their air force, and approximately 300 uh, for their for their navy. You know, I, I do appreciate the fact that they're on the path of actually reaching that two percent of GDP threshold for military spending, but they're not there yet. Uh, I guess I'll ask uh, uh, Secretary Yi. Does that send a very good signal as we're? approving somebody coming into NATO and not meeting that threshold. Can you just kind of speak to that? It, it's, just, it, it, it's just something that kind of struck me reading through the briefing materials. Yes, thank you, Senator. Uh, one, of the, uh, one of the major emphases in the last NATO summit in Warsaw was on uh, ensuring that allies reaffirm their commitment to pledges they'd made at the Wales summit in 2014 to move towards uh, the 2% target by 2024. Uh, and some allies, as you know, uh, Senator, are doing better than others. Uh, there are about five allies now that are at the 2% level. Um, the good news is that uh, most of the allies, about 70% of the allies, are uh, on track to meet the target by 2024. Uh, Montenegro is at about 1.68. It has uh, made a plan so that uh, next year it will go up another uh, few tenths of points. So they'll be over 1.7%. Uh, and by 2024 to meet the the 2.0 percent, uh, we certainly will keep uh, on uh, all of our allies to encourage them to to move as quickly as possible to that goal. Uh, we will also uh, help them as much as we can uh, strengthen their economies so they're better able to to meet these kinds of obligations. Um, and that's another bright spot in Montenegro's uh, picture is the the growth of the economy at about 3.5 percent. So there is prospect, there is a hope that they'll be able to contribute more. Uh, we're certainly not satisfied, uh, but we believe that uh, by uh, having Montenegro in NATO, for all the reasons that my colleague Dr. Carpenter mentioned, and mentioned in other words about the stabilization effect, uh, it will also help Montenegro become more prosperous, more stable, better able to contribute to security of the alliance. Okay, thank you, Secretary. E, uh, Senator Shaheen. Additional questions, but I, I do want to ask about the 
process here because one of the things that I think people are watching NATO right now, um, in particular because of our presidential race. And so I wonder if you could talk about what kind of a signal we would send by expeditiously approving um, the Montenegro succession or accession to NATO. Thank you, Senator. I think the, the first and the strongest signal will be that NATO remains committed to the open door uh, to inviting countries that meet the standards that are able to um, further the principles of the alliance and to contribute to our, our collective security, our collective defense. That's an important signal for the countries themselves uh, who are struggling to make difficult reforms, which are not always politically popular, but it's also a signal to countries uh, outside of the region who may wish um, less than well uh, towards the countries of the, the Western Balkans. Uh, it sends a signal that we remain committed to the security of this region, uh, that we're not simply leaving them alone. Um, and it's also a signal, I think, of support for the integration process, uh, the larger integration process of bringing these countries uh, into the European family of democratic and, and stable and secure countries. Mr. Carp Dr. Carpenter. If I could just um, piggyback a little bit on what my colleague, uh, Deputy Assistant Secretary Yee, has said. Uh, I think an additional consideration in terms of the speedy uh, ratification of NATO membership for Montenegro has to do with some of the malign influence that Russia is exercising both in Montenegro and in the region. Um, as I mentioned in, in my opening statement, uh, they are backing both NGOs but also politicians in Montenegro who are opposed uh, to NATO and, and running uh, a disinformation campaign really about what NATO is all about and the benefits that it will bring to Montenegro. And so I think the sooner that Montenegro is brought into the alliance, now that it's met all the benchmarks and that it's made the difficult reforms and it's proven that it's capable of modernizing its military uh, and aligning its foreign policies with those of NATO, uh, I think the, the sooner we put this aside and show that Montenegro is moving on uh, with its membership in the alliance. Thank you, I couldn't agree more. I think it's an important message, um, not just to our allies, but also to Russia as we look at um, the future of NATO. Senator Paul. Thank you, and thank you to, to the panel for your testimony. It is said and was said in the opening that NATO is not about a specific um, opposition to a specific country or a threat, but certainly seems to be a lot of discussion of Russia in this, ad admitting a new country into NATO. Um, do you see no negative uh, aspects to admitting ne uh, Montenegro into NATO? Mr. Yee. Thank you, Senator, for the question. I do not see any negatives uh, in terms of U.S. interests for admitting Montenegro into NATO, only, only positives. And you mentioned that um, the, uh, we're sending a message that nobody gets to veto, you know, we're, we're sending this tough guy message. Uh, you want to send them a louder message, why don't you admit Georgia? So, Senator, thank you for the question. We do support the aspirations of Georgia to join NATO. <laughs> and you think there's no negative to admitting Georgia into NATO as well? We support their aspirations to join NATO, Senator, and we believe... Part of Georgia is occupied, right, by Russia? Yes, and we... So 
if, support. if we admitted Georgia into NATO and they said, well, what about Article 5? We would be at war with Russia. Sounds like there are profound implications to admitting Georgia into NATO. There would be implications. There are implications for admitting any country into NATO. What I would say, Senator, is that what NATO allies agreed at the last summit in Warsaw is that the door remains open to Georgia, that Georgia continues to need to do its homework. It needs to prepare for membership. The consensus on which uh, NATO operates in all of its decisions for admitting Georgia has not been met yet. Who do you think uh, it's more important to have diplomatic ties with, Russia or Montenegro? Sir, Senator, frankly, I don't think it's a choice between diplomatic ties between one country or the other. Well, we I would both. say that there is a downside and that if you want to have improved relations with Russia, thumbing their nose or putting Georgia into NATO or trying to put Ukraine into NATO, there are ramifications to this. And these aren't uh, just benign things, oh, hey, we all want to be Democrats and let's all join NATO. Uh, there are ramifications. And for us to think that this is an exercise in, hey, we're going to thumb our nose at Russia, uh, you know, we're in the middle of a, a conflict in Syria where by most analysis, including the administration, uh, Russia's part of the solution. Russia may be also part of the problem, but ultimately they're probably part of the solution. And I just don't think it's very realistic, and I think it's a sort of a, an arrogant, one-sided view of the world to think, oh, hey, let's just have everybody in, in NATO, you know? Why don't we, uh, you know, get, uh, you know, all the stand countries north of uh, Afghanistan, ask them to be part of NATO, you know? I mean, are there ramifications to getting all the Soviet satellite countries into NATO? Sure there are. And so I think we need to think this through, and we need to have a little bit more of a debate rather than a rah, 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 let's put everybody in NATO. Um, I think admitting Georgia to NATO would be a huge disaster and would be a huge step back if you want to have any kind of Russia's help in resolving what happens in Syria. So I, I don't know. I think that uh, we could have heard another side in this, in this hearing as far as more of a more balanced approach to whether or not there are ramifications. I think to say there's no ramifications of admitting Montenegro, it is a small country, so it's not nearly as great a ramifications as Georgia, to say there are no and that our avowed purpose is really to tell Russia you can't tell us what to do um, sounds a little schoolyardish to me and, and maybe not all completely thought through or a balanced opinion. So You're both free to respond. Senator, I could just say that uh, I would agree that there are certainly ramifications to admitting any country into NATO, and I certainly didn't mean to imply there were not. Uh, my answer was that I do not believe there are any negative negative downsides for the United States' interests in admitting, NATO, uh, admitting Montenegro. And I would also say that all countries that wish to join NATO need to be evaluated for their candidacy for admission into NATO individually on their merits um, and in, in due course, uh, not all at once um, and not uh, together as a group. Uh, we do weigh very carefully, uh, Senator, the, the ramifications, the consequences. Uh, we consider it uh, the most solemn commitment one nation can make to another in admitting a country into NATO. Uh, but we believe that uh, it is the, the decision for NATO uh, and the aspirant countries themselves to make that no country should have a, a veto over the decision. I think it's a little bit uh, Pollyannish also to believe that, um, you know, sort of this is a mutual treaty. This is the U.S. protecting other countries. We are NATO, you know. And so I think really we're looking at a tiny little country that we take all of the risk to protect Montenegro. Or we take all the risk to defend Georgia or Ukraine. 
And so I don't think these are really two-way street. I think this is kind of a one-way street. You know, we're the ones that spend all the money on our, our military. We spend more on our military than the next eight countries combined. There's a lot of talk of spending 2%, but uh, these people spend a minuscule amount, not just Montenegro, but all of NATO. And so I think there, there does need to be a discussion. Uh, is it important for Europe to stick together? Is it more important for Europe to maybe have a, an alliance with Montenegro? Probably. But, uh, you know, we borrow a million dollars a minute. We have a $20 trillion debt. And I think it, uh, we ought to think through what, uh, whether these are a two, it's a two-way street or whether it's a one-way street where we're going to be picking up the tab for the rest of the world. Dr. Carpenter, you had a comment? Senator, I was just going to say that uh, the percentage of NATO's common funding that the United States uh, contributes is about 22%, so it is uh, larger than any other uh, ally, for sure. Um, however, going back to the comment about Montenegro, small economy, small military, small country, um, what I would say is that the accession of Montenegro to NATO is not primarily about thumbing a nose at Russia. Uh, certainly Russia is, is not pleased that Montenegro is joining, but Montenegro is fundamentally joining on its own merits. So it's made the difficult reforms uh, both to the uh, defense and the intelligence sectors and to its rule of law institutions, uh, but it's also been with us in Afghanistan for these past 10 years that it's been an independent country. So it's demonstrated its solidarity in that way. It's adopted sanctions against Russia for its actions in Ukraine, which it didn't have to do, but again, to show solidarity with NATO and, and EU countries. Uh, so they have shown that they've been with us and although they are small and, and their military capabilities are what they are, uh, they have been with us uh, for this time. And so I think it, it, the important point is they're judged on their own merits here and not as a rebuke to, or as a thumbing of nose at, at Russia. Again, I'm gonna recess for a few minutes until Senator Johnson gets back uh, to officially close the hearing, but I wanna thank both of you for your testimony today and hopefully we can move this forward as expeditiously as possible in the Senate. Thank you. Again, I apologize for uh, delaying the hearing here. Uh, one of the things I do like to do is give witnesses a chance before we close out the hearing. If there's any additional information you want to provide the committee, any further statements, uh, happy to do that. Either of you? Okay. Try to get the magic words. Um, again, I would like to thank the witnesses then for your, your thoughtful testimony. Do want to uh, stress my appreciation to, for the Ambassador Man Montenegro uh, for attending the hearing and certainly everything your country has done to meet, reach this milestone. I certainly want to wish you all the best. We want to be as supportive as possible. Um, for information, the members, the record will remain open until the close of business on Friday, including for members to submit uh, questions for the record. Uh, with that, uh, this hearing is closed. It's adjourned.